Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? Happy anniversary. 15 days to slow the spread. Three years ago to this very day, it began. The odyssey of tyranny. We have survived. Those that were asleep sleep no longer. They have awoken. The sleeping giant, if you will, never to slumber again. If you are of those millions of people who have awoken, you are my people. You are my tribe. I shall lead you into battle. Sorry, I'm getting a little over the top. All right. Anyways, welcome to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. This is Clint Russell. We have a uh, great interview today. But before I get into that, we got our boy, Anthony Fauci, doing the rounds. Goodness gracious. This guy doesn't know when to quit. Every time I see him on TV, I go like, ah, oh, this is going to be a deposition, right? Never is. Never is. It's weird. It's weird. You would think. You would think he would know at some point it's probably best to plead the fifth and shut the fuck up. But he doesn't. So let's check him out with the, I forget his name, whatever, one of the Cuomo brothers, Andy or whatever. <laughs> Dr. Fauci, what they're going to on this is there is a suspicion, well, that you had some reason to not want it come from the lab. Address that. Well, it's because I was funding gain-of-function research there. <laughs> That's why. But he's going to go, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why there was. I mean, there was this uh, insinuation that since the NIH for decades has been funding with a small amount of money. Oh, just just a small tens, tens of millions of dollars, just small amounts here. Scientists in China to do surveillance work on bats that somehow the NIH funded something that turned into SARS-CoV-2. Now, yep. there's a really very clear answer to that. Yeah, yeah, if I did you it. Look at the viruses that the Chinese were working on with money that was supplied by a small grant from NIH. I need you to note right there. That is the semantical bullshittery that he's trying to get out of this. If he, if you look at the viruses that they were working on with the funding that I was giving them. That's basically what he's trying to get you to think. They're trying to make you think that money isn't fungible. That that in fact the the project that he had greenlit couldn't have been what was ultimately the project which created SARS-CoV-2. That's what he's doing here. But I don't buy any of it. In fact, I think his work was specifically targeted towards creating what we have now dealt with for the past three years. That's my opinion. Can't prove that part, but yeah, he's just using semantics to get out of culpability. Anybody who knows even a little bit about virology will tell you that it would be molecularly impossible for those viruses to turn into SARS-CoV-2. Even if you deliberately tried to do it, you wouldn't be able to do it because they're evolutionarily so different from each other that everybody who knows anything about evolutionary virology will tell you that isn't even a possibility. And yet there was that innuendo that, well, you know, the NIH funds research in China, so maybe they were the ones that actually created the virus, which is absolutely crazy. But let's get back to something else that the... that the I, I love the, the dismissal paired with nothing but appeal to authority. 
gives no specifics as to why. Like, if you're if you're so smart and we're all so dumb and so crazy, shouldn't it be relatively easy to just explain why is it an impossibility? Why? Make it very crystal clear. I've actually been studying and reading a lot about this over the past three years, and I think it's actually very possible that that's what happened. So you have two and a half minutes. Instead of insulting everyone who thinks that you're a criminal and started a bio-warfare campaign and a psychological operation against the American people for three years, how about you explain why we're wrong? Explain that. No appeal to authority. Explain it. The person who called in was alluding to, Chris, mm -hmm. if you look at history, the idea that something evolves by jumping species is extremely common. SARS-CoV-1 has been definitively proven, without a doubt, to come from a bat to a civet cat to a human. So okay. the same type of virus in 2002 that we had a mini epidemic there was shown. Ebola comes from an animal to a human. HIV comes from an animal to a human. Influenza comes from an animal to a human. So the idea that something jumps species from an animal reservoir to a human, actually 75 to 80% of all the new infections jump species from an animal to a human. So for people to say that's really quite a reasonable assumption is not something out of line. It the, the problem is not to say that it's a possibility. It's not even a problem to assume that that's how it transpired. The problem is in dismissing any other countervailing theories that coincided in that time frame, which you actively suppressed via email. We have to kill this story. You can't run from that. Why would you want to do so if you have no blame? Why? If it was so damaging, why was it damaging? I'm sorry, but all of your feigned, you know, uh, just disgust at any of us thinking that this could be what we think it is, is it just falls on deaf ears. I don't, I can't even hear you anymore because you're not being honest. You suppressed the counter narrative. You suppressed the highest, some of the highest acclaimed doctors in the world, if you want to appeal to authority, when they were saying, we have to consider Dr. Redfield, former head of the CDC, if I remember correctly, he said it was very probable that that's what happened, that it came from the lab. You suppress the story actively. We're not going to forget that. Your emails are there for all to see. Sorry, Fouch. It just goes along with all of the data that we've accumulated over decades. God, what a fucking scumbag. Oh, put him on trial. Put him on trial. What more do we need to see? He funded it. He lied about it. The research that he was funding there was gain-of-function research. He lied about it. Also a crime in its own right. Not to mention the fact that it's a crime against humanity if he did what most of us now think he did. And you can't get a fucking prosecutor to dig in? None? No one? Anywhere? I'm not asking for 
miracles here. I'm asking for someone who appears to have not just created the virus, but then created the the alleged treatment for it in terms of like lockdowns and all that. He was the one that was the the mouthpiece for propagandizing us into doing that stupid shit. He then covers up the narrative, uh, the counter narrative as to where the virus may have originated. And then he pushes a vaccine which didn't work very well. And I'm being kind by saying that. So every step of the way, culpability. And we can't get a trial? When can we get a trial, man? How many people died because of this guy's behavior? Even if you assume he had nothing to do with the origin, just his advisory role for lockdowns and social distancing and all of the damage that that wrought on humanity. All unscientific nonsense. How many people died? Okay, and then the vaccine. How many people lost their jobs? How many people killed themselves? Still not enough? Need I go on? How many people, how many young boys and men and children got the vaccine unnecessarily based off of his advice and now their hearts are inflamed? Many of which could, if not have, already died. The guy has blood all over his hands. Whatever level of culpability you place on him, he has killed people. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me he doesn't have blood on his hands. And I'm not even going to go back to the HIV crisis, which there's enough concern there. The man's a criminal. That's my that's my opinion. Oh, so frustrating. Don't worry. He says it's all political. So first, in general, why do you think that you are the target of so many accusations about covering up the source of COVID-19? Well, Chris, I think it's pretty clear that it's really politically motivated. I mean, uh, the idea of cover, I don't know what they're talking about covering up. I mean, I have been totally transparent throughout. Oh, what a fucking liar. We have you on record, emails, kill the story. Jeremy Farrar. The fucking Lancet article saying that the origin of, of C-19 couldn't have come from the lab. That it was a baseless conspiracy theory. That was you, motherfucker. Been totally transparent throughout, you goddamn liar. Oh, it wasn't gain-of-function research. Liar. And I'm not sure what they're talking about when they say cover up. I mean, it, it's no secret that almost all of the incumbent... Um, hey... Rand Paul asked you, how much money do you make from royalties? And you said, oh, it's negligible. I don't know. Where, where's the transparency there, Fouch? But totally transparent throughout. Liar. Republican politicians that were running and those who were running for the first time had interspersed in their campaigns, you know, fire Fauci, indict Fauci, hang Fauci. It's, it's a political thing. 
And I don't know why it started, but I'm, I'm sure it was that back during the Trump administration, I had to, in order to preserve my own personal integrity, as well as to fulfill my responsibility to the American public, to tell the truth when the president was saying things that were just not true. Things like hydroxychloroquine is a cure, it's gonna fix everything. The virus is gonna disappear like magic. I was not comfortable in having to get up and contradict the president of the United States. Of course, I have a great deal of respect for the office of the presidency as well as for all mm -hmm. of the institutions of our government. For the record, didn't vote for Trump, not a Trump supporter, couldn't care less that he was pushing back against Trump and saying the virus is just going to disappear. I thought Trump was wrong about that, too. Not the point. Not the point. The vast majority of the people that I run with that are upset with Fauci have no concern over his pushback against Trump, especially where he was wrong about things. Now, whether or not HCQ or ivermectin or any of this stuff was actually efficacious, that can be debated elsewhere. I, I don't have a firm opinion on it, uh, but I think it was far more benign than many of the treatments that Fauci, in fact, pushed. And every step of the way, every treatment that Fauci said was efficacious, whether it was or it wasn't, whether it was safe or harmful, well, it just happened to be a product that was brand new and very highly priced. Just a coincidence. All of the cheap and free and abundant treatments that were out there that may or may not have been efficacious, those were all conspiracy theory drivel, whereas everything else that Fauci gave lip service towards uh, happened to be very lucrative for a handful of big pharma operations. Mere coincidence. But I had to do that, and that triggered a degree of hostility in which I became a target, and it's gotten... The hostility is about ruining the world, not about your opposition to Donald Trump. My God. Worse and worse as we got deeper into the political season of the elections, and now it's continuing now even since then. So, I mean, I'm not... A yeah, why is it continuing now even since then? Trump's gone. Two years now gone. Interesting that we haven't got more uh, content with you. I don't know why. Can't figure it out. Must all be Trump supporters. 100% sure, but that's as good a guess as any as to why I've become a target. <laughs> Man, it's so full of shit. In case these three years have uh, slowly muddied the waters and made your memory not as good as it could be, uh, let's let's check out at the Milk Bar TV put together a great compilation. I'm going to try and just let it run without speaking too much. But man, this this will boil your blood. Who are the heroes who are there in American life today? I think a Dr. Fauci. Probably never heard of it. Dr. Anthony S. Fauci. Who's president? Fauci. This is my seventh administration. I have never been muzzled ever. And I've been doing this since the administration of Ronald Reagan. The Biden administration is calling me to do everything. People go to medical school. Now it's called the Fauci effect. Consistency for integrity, for truth. As I walked into the, to the lobby, people started going. 
like this. Your eminence. <laughs> Receiving awards like this are wonderful. I am honored to receive the 2020 Bernard J. Tyson Lifetime Achievement Prize. Again, honoring you, sir, with a service to America, man. I look forward to you every day. I'm a Fauci groupie. Dr. Posse, I love you. It's not appropriate right now for him to be posing for the cover of a magazine. Part of the criticism of him going forward was that he clearly wanted to be a Kardashian. He's truly in love with himself. Thank you very much. Tony Fauci's office. You can see Tony Fauci as a portrait of himself. He also is a Tony Fauci bobblehead. And then he's got a Tony Fauci candle. I have to maintain my own integrity as well as my responsibility to the public to tell them the truth. The new things in this administration is if you don't know the answer, don't guess. <laughs> Just say you don't know the answer. People should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it. Please wear a mask. Um, wearing a mask. No, uh, no, no. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. Get a tighter fit with the second mask. Oh, is to be very transparent uh, as, as a public health official. Now, the former CDC director under Trump, Dr. Robert Redfield, was questioned about Anthony Fauci's mad scramble to conceal the role he and others played. Do you think that Dr. Fauci intentionally lied under oath to Senator Paul when he vehemently denied NIH's funding of gain-of-function research? You still trust the Chinese scientists and you still support the research over there. And if anybody is lying here, Senator, it is you. idea, I think, is quite far-fetched that the Chinese deliberately engineered something. What you're observing and speaking of, is this something that would be in line with gain-of-function research and the, and the capabilities it would provide to right, right. the virus? Yeah, I think there's no doubt that NIH was funding gain-of-function research. Seems like there Oops. has never been a more clear-cut case of some individual lying to Congress. Elon Musk tweet that his pronouns are prosecute uh, Fauci. I mean, prosecute me for what? I think that man belongs in jail. I have no yep. idea what she's talking about. Without question, Fauci lied about funding the lab. What, what are they talking about? He lied about it being gain of function. I mean, I wish I could figure out what the heck they were talking about. And he lied as part of an elaborate cover-up. The cover-up was to cover up his culpability. So what did Redfield think of the paper that Fauci pressured scientists to write that would conclude ultimately that COVID most likely did not escape from a lab? When, when you have a group of people that decide there can only be one point of view, that's problematic. And I'll keep going saying it's antithetical to science. So if they get up and criticize science, nobody's going to know what they're talking about. But if they get up and really aim their bullets at Tony Fauci, well, people can recognize there's a person there. So it's easy to criticize, but they're really criticizing science because I represent science. It's antithetical to science. Thank you. Science has debate and they squashed any debate. It makes me very uncomfortable to have to say something, but he is egregiously incorrect in what he says. Thank you. Thank History you. will figure that out on its own. Prison. That's all I have to say. Prison. This narcissist, this dangerous mass murdering narcissist. He's prison. Please. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. I got one more thing I want to cover and then we'll start the interview up. This is from some gay dude on the internet, Ryan. It says, so I'm happy to send that email that so many of us LGBTQ plus are sending parents vote GOP or keep your son. 
the dad's response. This is your dad. Stop your vicious words. This is not about homosexuality. I have friends who are gay and a brother who I love. <laughs> so his dad's already like on the defensive. This dude actually like screenshots uh, his email to his entire family. And this is what it says. Hi, family. Last night on a phone call with dad, he commented that he was still a Republican. I asked, quote, even after Republicans are trying to recriminalize homosexuality across the USA, end quote. Yes, he said. As such, it is now necessary for a family email so that expectations are set to everyone, regardless of voting affiliation. Hear me clearly. You cannot vote for the GOP and continue to have a relationship with me. No exceptions. I'm inviting no dialogue and I have no interest in nuance. <laughs> does, this, does this sound like a rational actor? First off, where where have the Republicans attempted to recriminalize homosexuality, much less across the entire United States? Is there another country that treats gay people better? Like, serious question. I don't even know. I, I, I honestly don't know what they're referencing with this. Uh, it goes on. Attacks in the USA by conservatives and literal Nazis against LGBTQ plus communities are growing in legislative bodies online and in public spaces. Wait, there are literal Nazis that are in the legislative bodies? Interesting. Texas leads the charge heartbreakingly. Source ACLU.com. He doesn't even link. <laughs> he, just, he just puts the website, like, figure it out. Uh, you may be thinking, but Ryan, why are you disrupting the family over political disagreements? Why the division? Politics is arguing over the tax bracket margin, solving farmer subsidy shortages, addressing corporately supported poisoning of people, or debating the value of urban bike lanes. The safety and peace of me, my husband, and my community is baseline, non-negotiable, and unrelated to politics, which is why if you vote for the political tribe that I don't support, then you can no longer speak to me. It's unrelated to politics. Uh, God, crazy. Uh, but most importantly, this is our family. To vote GOP is to divide the family. So we must only vote Democrat to unify the family. You sound like a cult member, sir. Uh, I've been out the longest, but Jessica is one half of the amazing lesbian lesbian parenting duo. And Joe is a badass bisexual and figurehead in her neighborhood. That's half the siblings just there. And statistical probabilities are high that at least one of the grandkids are queer like us. Add in our two deceased gay uncles and ab fab sequined grandpa C C Cecil, Cess's bestie, Melissa, Ma's hairdresser, Michael, and more. It becomes clear that defending queer and trans rights is necessary to defend our very family itself. Did you know that Sam and I have an escape plan in the event of genocide in the USA? Truly! We watch Florida and Tennessee and Texas and we know our 1930s history. We have selected a Canadian city to flee to. Discussed employment strategies and other administrative topics. Parents, have you all ever discussed fleeing your homeland with your spouse? I'm guessing not. How fortunate you are. Well, I've discussed it a lot and I'm not gay, so... Uh, yeah, and actually, it, coincidentally, I am concerned because of the wokeification of this country that at some point they may be coming for straight white people. Um, so, you know, hopefully both of our fears are unfounded, but I would argue mine are probably more legitimate than yours, given that we have like entire parades dedicated to you. And if there were to be a parade dedicated to me, it would be considered a hate crime. I don't know. Maybe something to think about. Uh, Richard and Bonnie, I speak to you directly now. You can be stubborn on this issue. Or you can choose to support the family. The choice is yours. If your gay brothers were alive today, they'd agree 100% with my point of view. So the question posed is a yes-no one. Will you commit to not voting for the GOP ever again? 
All across this country, my trans and queer friends are hosting these same awful conversations with their families. No longer will we allow poison to flow unopposed. Our love is a massive. Our love is massive, but it's not without conditions. <laughs> Your unwavering support of LGBTQ plus peace is required. Love you, Brian. Look, man. It was it was one thing to like already divide people based off of you know whether or not they would wear a mask or get vaccinated, but now just the the mere act of voting for an opposing political party is enough to get people disassociated from permanently. It's sad, you know. I have a lot of family members that vote Democrat and were all in for lockdowns and mandates and everything else, and I still have a relationship with them. And for the record, like what they advocated for during that period was much, much more overtly in, uh, in conflict with what I wanted to see in the world, a, a nation or a state even that I wanted to live in. Um, so I don't know, unless I'm completely oblivious to some laws that are calling for the crim criminalization of homosexuality or the imprisonment or I don't know, purges or whatever this guy thinks is about to happen. The vast majority of people also in my family that vote Republican love gay people. No problem with them. So I don't know. I don't know what this perspective is all about. Unless it's like the drag queen story hour opposition and the fact that they're concerned about curriculum to children when it comes to pretty extremist gender ide ideology. I don't know. I don't know, man. I uh, just wanted to bring up a little culture war aspect of things just to say, like, we don't need to let pol politics divide our families any more than we already have. And they have divided our families tremendously. So I hope that uh, you can have more reasonable conversations with family members that might be gay and hopefully realize that you guys aren't each other's enemies. My goodness. How sad. Well, without further ado, let's get into our interview. Today we have on Adam, the lectern guy. The guy that was actually on January 6th carrying the lectern around to, to go take a, or go give a brief speech behind it, apparently. I didn't know that part of the story. I thought he was actually stealing it. Sounds like he wasn't, which is uh, funny. Um, because of the setup of my studio, I'm going to actually have Josie being uh, the interviewer for the first half and then myself being the interviewer for the second half. A little bit more softball, a little bit more hardball. Hit him with the good cop, bad cop. Uh, it was a good conversation and an interesting one at that. And uh, I think that you guys will find this this dude to be extremely endearing. And I hope that the uh, the J6 prisoners are freed here soon. And particularly, obviously, the peaceful ones. And, uh, and yeah, I hope that we don't see any more political violence. And, yeah, that's it. Anyways, without further ado, enjoy the rest of the show. On the first of the month, you have to pay either your rent payment or your mortgage payment. But you know what that gets you, right? It actually gets you an assured another 30 days in that property. Well, with insurance, it doesn't really feel that way, does it? It can be confusing and expensive. Then when you actually have to use your benefits, there are deductibles, claims processes, and other red tape to deal with. CrowdHealth puts you back in control of your health care and helps you pay for health expenses. At the end of the day, that makes you feel as if you're being taken advantage of, and I tend to agree. But CrowdHealth is doing things differently. CrowdHealth is simple, transparent, and affordable. 
As a member, you'll get a personal care advocate to help navigate the complexities of health events. Your personal care advocate will even negotiate bills on your behalf. They'll be with you every step of the way and could save you thousands in health bills in the process. You'll get access to a crowd of thousands of other members who are ready to help pay for your large healthcare expenses if they were to arise. $40 of your $175 monthly payment helps pay for your care advocate, telemedicine services, discounted prescriptions, and other tools to get you the best care at an affordable price. The remainder of the monthly payment goes into a crowd health account that you own so you can help others in the crowd pay for their medical expenses as well. Experience healthcare freedom with crowd health. Visit joincrowdhealth.com and use code LOCKDOWN at checkout to get your first three months for just $99 per month. That's joincrowdhealth.com, promo code LOCKDOWN. Crowd health is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for healthcare. Terms and conditions may apply. This is Josie, the redheaded libertarian. I am a stand-in host today for Clint Russell at Liberty Lockdown, and I'm so excited to be interviewing Adam Johnson today. Say hello. Hey, how are you guys doing? Good. How are you? Not too bad. It's a spring break for the kids, so we're just hanging out, having a good time. This is the way, and mm -hmm. I'm in Florida, and Clint's in Florida, and it's uh, it's been a good week for spring break. It has, it has. Yep, we heated up the pool and went bowling today. Just movies, football, lots of fun. Nice. All right. Do you want to tell everybody uh, where they might recognize you from? How, uh, who you are? Um, well, if you don't know who I am, I was at the Capitol on January sixth. I was uh, moving furniture without an interior decorating license. You know, shame on me. And uh, I was promptly arrested and uh, went through about a year and a half of. Uh, trials and litigations and interviews with the feds and the AUSA and the Department of Justice ended up in prison and got out of prison and I'm here now. Welcome back to freedom, my friend. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Never, never left it. I mean, it's, it's always there. It's waiting, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how, so, so what were you charged with? So the initial charges were uh, theft of government property. Mm -hmm. And it's a, uh, if you read into the actual definition of theft, I mean, on technicalities, it was theft because they said I converted its use to my own use. <laughs> so moving it 20 yards for a photo op counted as theft. And it was felony theft because it was um, over $1,000 for the piece of furniture. Incredible. Yep. Incredible. Now, I've built one on my own. I'm actually a carpenter. Mm -hmm. And the cost that I came up with was about $260. But oh, it yeah, wouldn't but be government yeah. inflates everything. Uh huh. Uh -huh. It wouldn't be the first time they ever paid for something. Exactly. 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 I was so, charged with a uh, violent entry as well, which is a, another misdemeanor. And I was also charged with um, entering and remaining in a restricted building. They really threw the book at everybody through January 6th. They just they did. literally like the definition of throwing, they're like, all right, let's go down the book and see what we can possibly charge these people with and let's just do it. Yeah. Yes. So how long, how long did you, were you in DC's Gitmo or did they put you somewhere else? How long were you there? So when I, when I left the building, it, it was very clear that there was going to be issues. I was being recognized on the street before I even got back to my hotel. Mm -hmm. So um, I called my wife, we were chatting and I had a flight to leave on that Friday, but I decided to rent a car and leave DC immediately. Just mm -hmm. get back to, get back to my family because yeah. I knew it would be very quick. Yes, absolutely. So what, mm -hmm. how, how quick would you say did the feds catch up with you? Um, I hired an attorney uh, the next day, the very next mm -hmm. day, two attorneys actually, Dan Eckhart and Dave Bickney. Mm -hmm. And then by Friday, the charges came. Mm 
and I was in Pinellas County for the weekend. Okay. Now, can you tell can you tell me a little bit about like your experience with January 6th? Like what happened that day? Um, how you knew something was off? Um, like anything you can just tell me about it? Because I've only read I've only read accounts of it. Um, so are we talking about what I saw there or why I showed up? Uh, both. Yeah. You, why don't you do start with why you showed up and then go into what you saw? Sure. Um, I am. Um, I'm. I'm sort of new to politics. Still, I've been in about five or six years now. Mm -hmm. um, just my my. I've been raising kids for a long time. I've got a bunch of them, and didn't really have time to care about these things. But as they get older, you start worrying about the life they're going to be left with. You know, mm -hmm. if you don't stand up and do something and say something. So as I'm listening and seeing what's going on, I decide, you know, it's, I think it's time to maybe attend my first protest, you know, say, I don't like how things are, are turning out. And just to point at something, I think that we, it's very reductive to say that January 6th was solely about the election. Mm -hmm. I mean, we remember COVID, you know, those of us that want to remember it accurately and not bury it, we remember what we went through and it's not just one thing. It isn't. So I showed up because I felt like our voices had been silenced for a long time. And there was an opportunity to go to the last rally that Trump was going to have and, and show up and protest. And that's, that's how, that's why I showed up. Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, I mean, um, I understand it. Why, why you went, um, because things just pile up and pile up and snowball and snowball. And you're like, all right, you know, I have this man, I feel like, is a voice for me and I want to go to his last rally and mm -hmm. that's, that got you there. Yeah, of course. So what did you see at January 6th? Well, the rally was very timid. It, it was more of like a state fair. You mm -hmm. know, I've, I've talked about this before. There were people like, you know, in green suits, like morph suits and stuff. And people were with their families. It was just, it was like walking through a county fair. It was not this violent thing that people say that it was. And, um, you know, I was there with a, with a buddy of mine and, you know, I'd heard a few of the speeches and at the very end of the rally, Trump said, we're going to march down to the Capitol, you know, peacefully, and we're going to protest. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you know, I'm there to protest. I'm there to see the end of these things. So I marched towards the Capitol and the march towards the Capitol was very slow. People just walking down there. And at some point from the crowd, someone had said Pence didn't do it. Pence mm -hmm. didn't do it, you know, indicating that he didn't deny, you know, the, the votes, the electors and, you know, choose someone different. So he, um, at that point, uh, people started walking faster. It was more of a, you know, light jog sprint. And I'm someone who, if, if something's happening, I'm, I'm going to see it with my own eyes. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to go look, I'm going to see what happens when I show up to the Capitol. And I've, I won't shy away from this. I think there was violence there that day. There absolutely was. I mean, you can't look at one set of videos and say it was all just a peaceful thing mm -hmm. and then ignore a whole other set of videos. I think all the videos should be shown. All of it should be given to the public. And there were people that were hitting cops and there were cops that were hitting people. Mm -hmm. And I've been very vocal about this. If you hit a cop, not a good thing, not a good look, don't do that. But if you're there to protest nonviolently like myself and tens of thousands of others, there is no reason why we need to be arrested, thrown in prison for exercising our First Amendment rights. I absolutely agree with that. The way that um, seeing J6 protesters be treated, 
makes me sick to my stomach. Um, it's it's a violation of, gosh, uh, first, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, ninth, tenth. It's a violation of like every single one of the Bill of Rights, and it is explicit, especially now that the new footage came out and we can see more what they're charging people with and what mm -hmm. people did, and it's it's even worse. It's even more horrifying. But I hope that since the new footage was released, some people will be able to to get off on lesser charges at least you know like when they can see everything that they did live well i do see there was um when we were going through this for the first couple of years i i was very hesitant to to speak to say anything because when you're being prosecuted by the department of justice the best thing you can do is just shut the hell up mm -hmm. like don't say anything disappear stay in your house yes because the way they the way they prosecute and with the plea deals it's it's not really a plea deal it's more of a coercion deal yes you know mm -hmm. where if you don't sign the plea deal you are given you end up going to court instead if you choose to go to court and not take a plea deal not only will you get the charges they initially brought they will add more yeah and uh i i know dc is not the most objective place they vote <laughs> something like 92 percent democrat it's it's uh -huh. insane the next closest is like 65 percent democrat in california so dc is its own world you're not going to get a jury that is objective you're not going to get a jury of your peers you're going to get people who hate you who want to punish you who aren't mm -hmm. going to listen to the facts um so i will also say in the defense realm for the attorneys that are assigned or some of the like I, I always gloat about my attorneys because these are two of the most amazing people that I've met through all of this. I mean, yes, I paid them and they did their job and all of that, but for them to put their careers on the line, the the things that they were being said about them for bringing me defense. And I mean, they went through a lot just to provide me with the defense that I, that I deserve, that I'm legally allowed to have. And from the beginning of it, they told me there's only one way through this. Like you will take a plea deal. You will probably go to prison. These, this is what's going to happen because they're going to take their pound of flesh. The only thing we can really look for is, you know, maybe getting your felony drops. That would be the, the biggest win for us. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people who are J6 defendants aren't getting adequate representation. They're getting attorneys who are not interested in helping them. Mm -hmm. We look at uh, Jacob Chancey's lawyer. I remember there was an article, and I'm paraphrasing here, don't quote me, but where he said these people are short bus people. Mm. And this is the defense that he had going into court. There's also uh, Richard Barnett with the, um, this is the guy with his feet up on the uh, desk in Nancy Pelosi's office. Mm -hmm. yep. He decided to go to court, and I think he's facing eight charges. Now he will go to prison for years upon years upon years. That will happen. Her sitting in Nancy's chair. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's just, yes. it makes me sick. Like the the levels of like, it's not only how how dare you come into our offices. It's like, how dare you come into our offices and how dare you touch our things and like, mm -hmm. like like you didn't. I, I just don't even have words for it. It's it makes me sick. Well, it's um, the ivory tower, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a target, and that is the only difference they're drawing here. And I have, I have had some time to think about this, you know, obviously it's been a mm -hmm. couple of years now, but there, the life of a government official is no more valuable than the life of someone bagging your groceries or mm -hmm. selling you shoes or working in a shopping mall or a grocery store. All val all life has the same value, yes. all of it. Unless you're a pedophile, then you have no value to your life whatsoever. Absolutely. Yeah. All pedophiles into the wood chipper. Yes. So to to 
treat these people like they are gods, it has to stop. It has to stop. They are not gods. The the building, you want to call it sacred. Maybe it was at some point. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was at some point. It is not now. It has yeah, been it's so corrupted. how they call it sacred and then call it the people's house. But then yes. the people aren't really allowed into their sacred house. <laughs> I mean, that's that doesn't really make any sense. But these people who put themselves in this these positions of power, they they have the power to make themselves or or give you the perception that their life is more valuable than yours because they make the rules they their job is to write the rules um so that's that's tricky and that's something that we need to to sort out somehow and i mean i believe that's a there's a libertarian solution to that um so it's just a matter of finding a way where these people can release their stranglehold that they have and they are many are bad bad people who have power and they should not have it yes well i think it starts with maybe voting for people who are moral people mm. and maybe the issue is that by time you get to a place where you can be a sitting congressperson or a senator you've had to shake so many hands and take so many deals that there's nothing left to you that is real you no longer have convictions you have sponsors yes and yeah. i really think the only way to fix this is at a local level everywhere because people who start local will eventually get there and we need to make sure the people are voting in locally are moral people are good ethical people that actually have convictions and not just ideas that they've never thought through mm -hmm. or there's a paycheck at the end of it for agreeing with it yes that's a libertarian solution it's bottom up you get people mm -hmm. in the local offices who who you know like maybe they start at the the school board because their kids are in the school and then maybe they go to the, the sheriff's office or maybe they go to the select board and they're able to make real change on a local level within their town you know then they maybe get up to a state office and great you know now now they're starting to get some name recognition on top of that and then eventually sure. get into a federal office um whatever is i mean i i don't recognize our country like the values I'm, I'm a bill of rights libertarian the values that i love about our country i just i just don't see anymore and that just it breaks my heart because it was this amazing experiment that's just been squandered i i wonder if it started i mean obviously it started in the homes right it yes. started with with parents not being available for their kids not having the time to to teach them it's it's both parents having to work it's it is this push to not have a parent at the house to instruct and instill and to be there to pick them up after school, to make them sandwiches, to ask how their days are. Exactly. And I think that the best way through this is, again, I, I think we need to focus on nuclear families. Mm -hmm. We need to focus on what makes relationships work, what keeps people together, and what makes, what makes our children the next generation that won't have to suffer. Because it's been a while since the next generation hasn't had to deal with the immorality and poor decision-making of the last. Yes, well, it was the Rothschilds who came up with this grand idea that, you know, there is unrealized taxation of half the country right now. We just gotta get women in the workforce. And so they created this whole women's empowerment movement. And since women mm -hmm. are emotional, they were like, oh my goodness, I'm gonna be empowered. And they somehow convinced generations of women that being a secretary was more important than raising a child it was your your calling was to bring coffee to your boss um and, and it wasn't to raise your children and then after that you know then we're getting into a territory of uh, ending the gold standard and the value of money going down and people 
having to work, having to have two, two incomes yes. to support their families, you know, and that's, I mean, there's people that are blessed enough to be able to just live off one income and, you know, maybe they manage their money better. Who knows? I'm not going to judge them on something that the government's done, but, mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. So, but now we have latchkey kids. We have kids raising themselves. We have teachers yes. who got in there because anyone who wants to prey on a kid, whether it's in a really bad way or whether it's in a way that's just to convince them to join our cult, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna go after kids and they're gonna go after kids in a way that's as easy as possible with as little pushback. And that is in the schools. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, some people, some people know this about me, my story. I'm, I'm actually a stay-at-home dad. Yes, um, you are. I am. Uh, my wife's a physician. She is, she is the breadwinner. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think some of my favorite stories that came out were, um, I was just unemployed or a mm -hmm. deadbeat. Mm -hmm. Because when you're a female and a stay-at-home parent, it's the hardest job in the world. But mm -hmm. if you're a guy who does it, you're just unemployed. It is you definitely, know? I have nothing but respect for you because I did the stay-at-home parent thing for, uh, for years. And I, uh, went and became a, a massage therapist and a neuromuscular therapist and, um, was able to kind of set my own hours after that, you know, work for myself, have my yep. own business, that sort of thing. But then I'm juggling still being a stay at home mom while working, you know, maybe 20 hours a week, mm -hmm. which was really hard, you know? And I just, I applaud anybody who does that. And you have five I have five sons. Yes. Five sons. Yes. Five boys. Three, I got three daughters. So I oh, definitely awesome. understand that anything more than two and you, you need an extra hand. Too. <laughs> you know, but I was, yeah. I also went to college during that time, um, mm -hmm. got an associate's degree. I'm like three classes away from a bachelor's at USF. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like I was just sitting around eating bonbons. I mean, of course. And they try to, they, they can't just take you at your word for anything. They have to try to smear you on top of it and paint you in an ugly light. And so that's what, you know, they did because men and women have different standards. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But I mean, we, we love the system that we have and I could absolutely, you know, well, I can't yet. I have to be off of, um, it's actually a great story. I mean, don't mean a spider web here. Um, no, please. so I applied to go back to college. Part of my conditions for supervised release is that I'm supposed to be gainfully employed. Mm -hmm. So to get a prison, they have like all these things you're supposed to meet and part of it's being gainfully employed. Well, um, I, an option is to go to college. So I reapplied to go back to college. My kids are all in school now, which is great. Mm -hmm. So I have time to finish my degree, pursue the things I'm, you know, trying to do. And the college told me, you can't come because you're on supervised release. You will have to try again later. Now I have a, I think it's a 3.8 GPA. Mm -hmm. I've never, you know, ever had problems in college whatsoever. I'm pretty good at what I do. Mm -hmm. And uh, they still said, no, I, I appealed it. And I said, this, this is ridiculous. You can't tell me that there's no one at your school that's not on probation. That, that would just, that would be statistically just impossible. Mm -hmm. uh, they still denied me. I then went to um, my probation officer, the AUSA, and I asked them, I said, listen, I'm six months in, you can apply to end your supervised release early if all of the requirements of your sentencing are done. Mm -hmm. My sentencing was 75 days in prison. I did that. It was mm -hmm. a $5,000 fine. We paid that. Mm -hmm. It was 200 hours of community service. I did all of that. And it was a year of supervised release. So at six months in, I applied for it to be done. I said, listen, I'm done. I can't even go to college until I'm done with this. Will you help me? Please just go back to college, better my life. You know, I've mm -hmm. learned my lesson and they still denied me. They still said no. 
And there's no reason why I'm still on supervised release. This is a misdemeanor, nonviolent crime mm -hmm. that I went to prison for. And this doesn't happen anywhere. This is, this is novel. This is Soviet. This is, this doesn't happen in America. Uh, what's, what's happening to you and the fact that they denied your, so are, so are you still in that time frame serving your supervised probation? Yes, I have uh, three months left and I will tell you, um, I, I was on, uh, I went on Timcast uh, a few, like six, seven months ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was kind of, uh, I don't want to say I nerfed the interview, but I'm not trying to stir pots. You know, I'm trying yeah. to get off the supervised release. I want to be able to travel again. I've been in the middle district of Florida for the past two and a half years now. I'd like to go do things again. I have a life. Right. My kids only have so many summers left. I want to take them on vacation. I want to, I want to let them see the USA. Mm -hmm. And after they denied my supervised release, mm -hmm. I just, I was like, well, I guess I have no reason not to talk then. You've mm -hmm. all of your bargaining chips are gone. I, I will tell everyone what you put us through for protesting, for protesting. Mm -hmm. What you're doing is brave. Like, I really admire it. I'm so glad that you decided to do this interview. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like honored. Like, well, I really. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of you all. I mean, I, again, I've been listening to podcasts for a few years now. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually, part of what I'm doing, I'm going to show this on here. This is fun. Yes, please. So <gasps> I've been building lecterns. You are and, such a talented carpenter. <laughs> yeah, I've been building uh, lecterns mm -hmm. for people who have taken a stand mm -hmm. in this time where we're being silenced, where we're being called misinformation, and where we we are well-studied, we're well-versed. We're not just reading headlines. We're reading deeper into stories and trying to bring truth to light. Mm -hmm. And I cannot um, profit off of anything related to January 6th, either directly or indirectly mm -hmm. for three and a half years. It's what I have left. Uh -huh. So I'm not building these for sale. I'm giving them out to people who yeah. have earned them and uh, you will be getting one as well as Clint. So oh, I'll make sure those, those get out soon. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. You're, you're very talented. Um, what were you looking to go into school for? So um, psychology is my major. And uh, the idea was to end up with my PhD. I actually love human behavior. I, mm -hmm. I love learning about it, studying it, and figuring out maybe why it is I do what I do, you know, or maybe I can help my kids more. Mm -hmm. That's that's fascinating. I've always loved uh, psychology, actually. Growing up, I wanted to be a psychiatrist. That's what I always wanted to be, but I was poor. And so, you know, I took a different route instead and did what poor people do and went to trade school, <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, I really, I really admire that you're really taking a stand and, you know, trying to better your life. And the fact, I think that the fact that they're not letting you off the supervised probation, it's, it's for them, you know, it's yes. like no one is getting any, any sort of relief at all, essentially. Um, they're, they're, they're hammering it all down because they have to show how to serious crime it was. Yes. Serious crime. Well, we, you know, the attorneys and I talked about this and it's, it's not that what I did was so egregious. Mm -hmm. It's the, it is my nature. It is the fact that I made a joke of them. Mm -hmm. It is the fact that that smile and wave photo is such a thorn in their side you because humiliated them. Yes. And this is, this is how you, this is how you break the system is with humiliation. Actually, Orwell said it. So we're using it, <laughs> we're using it against them. He said, um, it's not just pain. How do you know that? 
they're obeying your will and not their own. If you're just pain, you have to humiliate them on top of that is what Orwell said. And so that's what they've been doing to us. That's what they're trying to do to the January 6th people. But we got to spin it back on them and we got to laugh mercilessly at them, make fun of everything that they are, every one of their sacred whatever, because it's not. They're they're all all golden calves, all of them. I completely agree. Mm -hmm. So part of my, um, I'm a very jovial person. I, I like jokes. I'm sarcastic. I mean, if you... If you look at my Twitter page, it's just nothing but but making jokes. That's it. And um, there was when all of this happened, there were so many stories about me that were just absolute nonsense. You know, mm-hmm. there were um, those heavy articles. You know, ten things to know about lectern guy. You know, and they would go through here and you know just say things that were just uncategorically true, just not mm-hmm. not even real. There was uh, there was one guy ah, can't think of his name. Yeah, I'm not even going to say it. Mm-hmm. He uh, he had said that he had known me. He reported me to the FBI, did several interviews. I've never met this man in my life. It's uh, ever. Yeah. When it comes to being ever. in trouble like this or having this kind of attention on you, it is a magnet for the dark triad of people. It's a magnet for the so- the psychopaths and the the sociopaths and the the narcissists and the Machiavellians. Um, and those are the people that are going to seek you out and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get some attention off this. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to hurt this person further and I'm going to, I'm going to do it for my own good. Cause that, that's just, that's just like, like well, crack for these people. I did have some fun. So, um, this is a story that, uh, it made, it made like, I would say national headlines for one or two papers, but mm-hmm. I ended up throwing a prison party. After I didn't I even sentenced. hear about this. Yeah, Please this is me. this is fun. So I made a public event on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Adam goes to prison. And it has <laughs> it has the picture, you know, the famous, you know, whatever infamous, if you want to call it that, you know, me like holding there. the lecture and smiling. Uh-huh. And I say, so I'm going to prison for the lamest charge in history. Mm-hmm. Um, come out and help me celebrate the last, you know, days of my freedom. You know, I'll be at this location, you know, at this time. Come join me. Well, the joke behind it was I set the date for April Fool's Day, and I knew the media would bite on it because it was a public thing, and I the picture was up, and I knew someone Mm -hmm. was going to report it. Well, the media got a hold of this and just went nuts with it. He's throwing a prison party. Well, the place I was going to throw the party at, Mm -hmm. they start getting death threats. (gasps) They start, uh uh-huh, they start getting death threats servers are, are like not wanting to come in and stuff oh so i ended up contacting the place and i was like hey like you know i'm sorry this is happening to you guys i had no idea that was not the intention and i mm-hmm. actually felt bad mm-hmm. but as the as the party kept going you know the, the planning of it people started saying i want to show up and see you these messages mm-hmm. start coming in people want to show up and it's i started thinking like maybe i should have a party like a public party so i can see these people because I have spent two years of my life with nothing on the internet, but I'm human garbage. I'm a mm-hmm. terrorist. I'm a traitor. I'm an insurrectionist, you know, thief. And at the end of it, I ended up having to make a public post saying, hey, there was no party. It was on April Fool's Day, but mm-hmm. this is, you know, in line with how mainstream media works. They can't see a joke when it's right in front of them. Did you mm-hmm. not check the dates? It's literally mm-hmm. on April Fool's Day. So... We did have a we did have a um, private party. We had about I don't know 150 people out there, and it Aww. was it was a great time. Just friends came across from the state just to say hi to me and you know wish me luck. People were bringing me uh, soap on a rope. We had people actually show up in um, 
in uh, prison outfits with uh, Clinton's name on the back and with uh, mm -hmm. Pelosi's name on the back. It was, we had fun. That's great. But, and you had that just kind of like locally, like where you are? Yes, yes. Yeah. And I mean, the fact that they were upset that I was having a party to say bye to my friends and family before mm -hmm. they sent me to prison for three months is ridiculous because that's exactly what they would do. They if, wanted if, you to feel pain and humiliation. And yes. you, you didn't, you were like, I'm, you know, like what I did sucked, you know, I've got to go pay my dues yeah. on it, but I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. And that was that, no, like they wanted your family to hate you. They wanted your kids to hate you. That, that was their, they want, they, they want, you know, people to hate you. I mean, I, I mentioned today on Twitter that I'm having this, this thing with you and people were like mad at me about it. And I'm just like, whatever, dude, like, you mm -hmm. know, it, it doesn't just, yeah, take it personally at all. I, I mean, I get, I get death letters, like death threats in the mail, like actual snail mail all the time. Like they still come in and I've, I've read all the articles about me online. I've read the op-eds. I've read the comment sections to probably get off of them, but mm -hmm. what else can you possibly do? I've gone to prison for trespassing, non-violently mm -hmm. trespassing and making a hilarious joke of the mockery of the system that we have. And it is going to live on in infamy. And I mean, just, I love that picture. The first <laughs> time I saw that picture, it reminded me of that singing frog. Um, like, hello, my baby. Hello. Yeah. My baby. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen yeah. these. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. And it made me think of that. And it just, it made me laugh. And every, and probably every time I saw the picture for like a year, all I did was laugh. It was so funny to me. So you have this, this, it is a part of Americana, what you did. I mean, it'll go down, especially when everybody wakes up and sees what happened, which, you know, I believe is, is going to happen because I'm an optimist, but it's happening now. Yeah, it is happening I'm, now. Seeing it. You There's know, everyone's been, got their eyes open. And I wonder if, um, I wonder if it's the fact that we're actually being able to share information more freely on at least one social yes. media platform. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's what's actually changing minds. And I won't sit here and simp out from us because I don't know the guy and I don't know okay. too much, you know, about his dealings or his political stances. Like he's got funny tweets, you yeah. know, but he's a funny guy and he likes humor and he feels like he was feeling like humor was being censored. And that was a big reason. Exactly. You know? Or at least discourse mm -hmm. or at least that discourse. Yep. I, yep. I, discourse and humor. Yep. I, I love having my mind changed. I'm not, if you talk to me about some of my political stances, you'd be, you would be shocked about a handful of things about how I actually believe in the things and how I'm willing to budge on things. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not an absolutionist on anything, but free speech. Like I'm willing to talk about anything. And if, if you think you have an idea that makes sense, talk to me, I'd love to listen. Mm -hmm. But I think we need to get back to that. Discourse is good for the human soul. It is. Whereas you are a society that hates conflict now. And conflict is how we produce results. Conflict is how you grow. Yes. Um, and there's studies that just back it. Like if you are afraid to do something, if you have fear or anxiety about doing something, it is statistically proven that you need to introduce that to yourself little by little by little until you yes. until you get over it. And that's how you fix it. But instead we have safe spaces. Yes. You, and and you can and you have people like you're you're never able to have somebody challenge you. Like they're trying to make laws against mm -hmm. speech where free speech or misgendering things. If you're afraid of that, you need, this is how you fix it, but they don't yes. want to fix it because the, the longer it's broken, the longer they have their power. Exactly. I, I, mm -hmm. It's an agoraphobia where you stay in the household, you don't leave, right? It's agoraphobia. Right? Yeah. It's so once they get people to try to leave the home, they actually have them have um, 
uh, physical items that they're very close to, like security objects that yeah. they'll move around. You know, if you take this thing with you smaller places, there are studies on this. It's actually fantastic. And you're absolutely right. We do need to be in spaces where we're not just safe, where we can hear conflict. And it's actually a big reason I've had multiple conversations with people on the concept of institutions and whether we just abandon them or whether we restore them. Mm -hmm. And there's a big conversation surrounding public school. Mm. I've got five kids. Um, yep. When COVID hit and they told me, you're going to have to get computers and we'll do online classes, I said, well, there's no way you're putting computers in my home. It's not going to happen. You're not putting cameras in my home. No, that's a that's a hard pass. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, you know, what if what if we just, you know, did like audio? And I was like, you're not listening to me. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed in my home. Yeah, at all. It's not happening. I refuse to do any of it. I started up an entire um, campaign online about saying, you know, our kids need to be in school. And I was a teacher. We I bought all the books. We sat home. We we did school. It took about two hours mm -hmm. a day. Yep. And then we hung out. We fished. You know, we yeah. did exercise. We went bowling. We we had a good time. That's and the they, stuff that helps children grow. It is. Mm -hmm. But um, to the point of what do we do about public school? Our kids need to understand that when you leave school, you still have to deal with everything that was at school. You mm -hmm. still have to have these debates. You still have to have this conflict. And why not Why not introduce them to them now? Mm -hmm. Let them know that when you go to school, there's going to be conflicting ideas. And you should ask questions. You should learn what you learn at home and bring your questions to school. Exactly. And when you're at school, you're being taught how to take a test. So you're being taught what to answer. You're not being taught really how to think. You're being taught what to think. And exactly. that, that gets dangerous, especially when they know that they have that power. They know yes. they have the power to teach kids well, what to think. We don't win the country back by abandoning institutions. We win it by taking over the institutions, yes. by showing up. There are there are so many metaphorical battle, battlegrounds that are out there right now that every time we take a chess piece off the board, we lose a little bit more of the fight. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I, I talk about this when we discuss, there's so much infighting right now. And I mean, always within the conservative party between, mm -hmm. you know, people who just want to be the general. And look, there's this um, analogy in the Bible where God talk, where Jesus is talking about, you know, the, the body of the church and everyone has their place. Everyone has a position and, you should be thankful to have a position. You should, and it's your place. We need to stop removing chess pieces off the board. We need to continue to put them onto the board. So the infighting that we're seeing, the people abandoning the military, police departments, public education, I don't think that's how you win the fight. That's how you retreat. And retreat is not how you win a battle. Yes, I agree. I actually agree with that. And as a libertarian, I agree with that. And I'll tell you why. Because as I said earlier, it's a bottom up solution. So the communists that have infiltrated every single one of these, you know, we have them in tech, we have them in pharma, we have them in the schools, we have them yes. in universities, they're everywhere. Um, it was bottom up. So they started very small, very little, and they went into every single institution until they made it to the top of the institutions and made it to um, the, the, the leadership roles in the institutions. And, you know, like that's, so now it's time to kick them out. They're all going to get old and die. So, which is wonderful. That makes a good communist, but <laughs> we have to get in there. We have to get in there now. Like we have to get our yes. people in there now and start working our way up there now yes. because it was a decades long 
decades long. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, um, I, I be mad all you want at what the left has done, what liberalism has done, what communism has done, mm -hmm. but you can't hate them for how productive and how efficient they have been. And maybe that's that. our problem. We just, mm -hmm. we hate that we lost. And yeah. it's like, you didn't lose, you fell asleep. Yeah. You got we're, busy. We're losing the listening. culture war. We're losing yes. the culture war to, to communists. And you know what? You yes. gotta admire that. You gotta admire that. Like I I hate them, but mm -hmm. damn, their work ethic. Like when it comes to <laughs> like when it comes to when they want power, they'll work. Yes. That's about the only time they'll work. Yes. But yeah, I yeah. admire it completely. And it's not just their work ethic, it is their unity. It is their yeah. unity. And I, I think I not divide. Mm -hmm. I've isolated to this, right? Conservatives have convictions. Mm -hmm. Liberals do what they're told. Yes. That's it. Exactly. And you see it with the voting in the Congress too. Same thing. Yes. Same thing. They Nobody ever, ever deterred from Nancy Pelosi. Ever. No. When she was speaker. No, no one dared because they were going to lose everything. They are going to lose their funding. I no, want to wrap up. They would lose up. their stock tips. Yeah, that's the way. <laughs> <laughs> I want to wrap up me because I want to give Clint some time to ask you some questions too. Okay. This has been so wonderful to talk to you. And it was great to meet you, Josie. Doing. It's so Absolutely. great to meet you. And I admire what you're doing and i think you're very brave thanks josie now that we got that fucking softball interview out of the way adam <laughs> i want to know i want to know why you didn't overthrow the government you were so goddamn close you were right there i everyone's everyone's relying on you and what happens man what's up well, well listen they asked us to leave so so we chose to leave <laughs> the, the insurrectionists that they asked you to leave and you left I thought it was. Yeah. A, I thought it was a violent insurrection. I've I've been terribly misled, Adam. Why did Why did the news tell me otherwise? Well, so I'm still waiting on. Uh, there's got to be body cam footage somewhere floating around of me talking to a cop, um, asking him how to leave the building and telling him to save stay, to how, telling him to uh, stay safe. It's out there somewhere. I'm hoping that Tucker finds it and releases that you know, 10 second clip. I hope so too, man. Yeah. Jesus. All right. Well, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the the. The motivations of the people that were there. Obviously, you can't sure. be a mind reader, but um, was the the primary catalyst for the vast majority of people that were there the fact that they believed that the election had been stolen, or was it just like was there was there other underlying aspects to this? Well, I mean, it'd be anecdotal if I told you like the five or six people that I talked to, right. but I can I can tell you that there were definitely a lot of different groups that were represented there. There was actually a very large amount of people that were anti-CCP. Their banners mm. were everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Wow. I did get a chance to talk to a um to an older woman. It was kind of broken English, but she was basically saying that you know this election isn't just important; it's paramount mm -hmm. because this is how it ends. This is how it ends. You mm -hmm. lose your voice. You lose your your opportunity to actually make a change legally, it's right. over. You've no, lost I, it. I think that's true. I mean, this this is what a lot of people are concerned about. And and this is why I'm so disappointed in the government's response to this, as opposed to just being transparent and saying, we're going to get to the bottom of, you know, both <laughs> both election day, but mm -hmm. also actually get to the bottom of what transpired on January 6th. Yeah. They went the opposite route. They they obfuscated what happened on on obviously the election, but then they also Worse than obfuscating, they actually appear to have yeah. uh, cherry-picked footage to try and railroad honest 
upstanding people and a lot of them were not violent at all and it's just it's heartbreaking to witness i'm curious how how it has impacted your view of america and our government moving forward well first of all i'm also shocked the government was not transparent with information this yeah. is something that keeps me up at night it's just it's the first time it's happened in the history of the u.s government you know so i'm still reeling from that as far as the impact of what happened in my life um it it changed everything it changed everything. I uh, I will always be this person now, always, right. always. Right. It's it's I'm never not going to be this person. And after everything first happened, the first few months, you know, you read online, you read people saying about you, and I have my doubts because I saw it's a very large building. I saw a handful of things happen. That is all, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, am I the reason this country is going to go to civil war? Am I, or, or, or am I at least, you know, the, the straw that broke the camel's back and right. am, am I the reason that's, that's a heavy thing to, to it hold is. on. Yeah, it is. So I, I dealt with all of this for, for months and I did proffers with the FBI for eight or nine hours, you know, just being grilled questions about, you know, who I am and who I know. And it's like, well, I'm, I raised five kids and I, I smoke meat on the weekends you know, and right. that's really about it. I do jujitsu for exercise <laughs> and I try to stay healthy, but that's really this, about it. This all you know? sounds like domestic terrorism training to me, Adam. Yeah, well, I did. <laughs> I did have a lot of guns, you know, six. Yeah, six, six. of them. Oh, yeah, my God. So that's many to overthrow the government. At least so four times. many. Yeah, not at the Capitol. Not at the Capitol. Yeah, I know. I understand yeah, that. Yeah, I just oh, want man. to clarify. That's going to be a sound clip somewhere. No, that's you know? a very important thing to clarify. I'm glad you <laughs> yeah. did. Um, but, but I mean, do you think, I think that, that that person's, you know, claim that if you feel as if, uh, you know, peaceful election processing is not a, a way to remedy the issues that we see in our country, that then you are left with the potential for violence in the, in the not too distant future. And I think that's what most of us are concerned about, which is it's, uh, it's kind of weird because they 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 paint anybody that has this this worldview as being someone who is interested in violence, and it's like couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, I'm I'm trying to come up with as many uh, avenues and options for peaceful <laughs> resolution to what we're up against, but it just seems as if the state is not interested in allowing for a peaceful resolution, and and that gets to be very uh, concerning. I'm not I'm not even willing to or don't even want you to be in a position of having to answer that question, but I'm just curious if you think that our system is reformable will there be justice will there be people that are freed from the what i find to be completely unconstitutional and uh illegal detainments for the january 6 folks that were peaceful so uh, that's there's several questions in there i will start with that i am not an accelerationist that's not something that i am you know happy to back or support but i do think that again i gotta say metaphorical on everything metaphorical gasoline on a couple of issues like mainstream issues need to happen because they're so far gone mm. we're talking about you know mutilating children now right, you know right. that's something that needs some gasoline metaphorical yeah. gasoline right you know no, um, I understand. there are some things that it's it's gotten so out of control that i don't think there is a possible solution for reforming them but yeah. if we're talking about some of the major institutions we're talking about the FBI, you know, all the three-letter agencies. I would say that, like, any company that exists, any entity that exists, you know, 95% of the people that work there are just going there 
doing their job, collecting a paycheck, going home. These aren't bold people that will stand up and and say anything that will actually make a difference. It You're does right. make them complicit. Yeah. But the top 5% of any company is the administration. Mm-hmm. And it's the administration in all of these places, all of our institutions that have to be addressed. And this is in private companies. I think I read something today where BLM received $83 billion from corporations. Mm-hmm. They are the ones throwing literal fire, you know, right, right. onto yeah. the country. And and many of which are not being prosecuted, which is yes. uh, another issue entirely that, you know, there, there really does seem to be uh, disparate uh, criminal prosecutions when it comes to your political belief system. And and that is something that, you know, once any nation, I'm not even just disconnect this from America entirely, just sure. say any nation that starts to see that, you know that there's problems in the not too distant future where you get, you know, real the potential for like gulags and shit like that. It, yes. it gets really, really concerning yeah. really, really fast. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've been a libertarian my whole life, but I, I've, I have not been really concerned about gulags until like the past three years. <laughs> and, and honestly, after seeing the treatment of the January Sixers, I think a lot of people on the, on the right or the libertarians are, are thinking to themselves like, wow, we really have a government that's willing to commit heinous, heinous evil to maintain their stranglehold on power. I'm just curious Absolutely. if you, if you're equally concerned or, or can you make me feel any better? Well, I mean, I, I said this a week ago, I said, um, any power that you are willing to give to the government to use against the political opposition will, and will always be used against you at some point, because any go. power you give them is power. They can also use against you. Right. And I tell everyone this, you want to say that it's political. It's not political. This mm. is us and them. Mm-hmm. And all they do is push the infighting. And I have friends that, you know, let's let's say that we do get to a point where now we've already seen violence in the street. I mean, summer of love, but there's actual economic collapse. We don't have food in the grocery stores. I mean, how many oh, banks man, are you up to now? It. Three. Yeah. Right. It. If, that, if, if we go that path here soon, we're in serious trouble. Absolutely. And there are accelerationists on on both sides that will go to the banks and they will empty the entire all of their bank accounts just to just to drop stock and mess with the economy. Mm-hmm. And again, not an accelerationist. I think the best way through this is peaceful resolution. Right. You know. But I I try so hard every day to be white pilled. Right. And I think. I try to look at social media, what I see online. I try to look at mainstream media, you know, even even podcasts. And I try to juxtapose that to what I see, you know, in the grocery store, you know, my local community, you know, my my beef O'Brady's. How are people talking? How are they living? Right? <laughs> is it is it all just hyperbole? Is the microphone being given to the people who are just trying to, you know, stir shit up? Mm-hmm. And what I see is I defer to my grandma. I see her every uh, once or twice a month. We have dinner together. Right. She's never seen it like this ever. Right. Ever. This is this is completely novel. This is not something we've seen before. You know, this is not just a news cycle and then things will get better. It's if we give the institutions the power back and just, you know, shut the hell up and put our heads back down. It's not that. Because I know groups like Antifa will not stop. Yeah. They will not stop. They will continue on their march. And we've not even labeled them a domestic terrorist group, you know, right. 
Yeah, well, and, well, they simultaneously try to label many peaceful protesters as exactly mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, for the record, I, I'm actually totally disinterested in starting to to label any uh, domestic groups as terrorists. I think it's a huge mistake. the The war on terror, and you may you may disagree with this, but the war on terror and was basically used to justify uh, military action overseas without declarations <laughs> of war and things like that. And and I I see the same thing happening here. Honestly, man, if they because because a lot of the a lot of people on the right, I see this all the time, and I'm I'm glad you brought it up. A lot of people on the right want to la label Antifa as domestic terrorists. Well, guess what? A lot of people on the left want to label people like you a domestic terrorist, and they want yes. to see you put away forever without any trial or any sort of, uh, you know, jurisprudence. It's just, I'm telling you, the precedent is scary. And to your point also about the FBI, I've had on two FBI whistleblowers, both of which called for the abolition of the FBI. These are current active FBI agents that have been suspended for for whistleblowing. So the mm -hmm. the corruption of the FBI is not some like, uh, you know outsiders looking in thing it's also sure. an insider screaming out thing so i hope yes. people start to take it seriously man i really do i i think it's going to happen but i think you know and this is one of the ideas that i play with and i maybe in the first few months i wonder like am i this thing they say i am but the longer i get through this and you know my my bio may have my pronouns as hero patriot it's right. it's it's sarcasm you know it's That's meant true. to be you know light but maybe what we did was give people courage Maybe yeah. maybe what we did is give people hope that you're not alone. And this I, I is sure hope, man. This is in no way saying to ever go inside that building again. I'm not no. advocating for that. <laughs> it's not, not. going to turn out well for you. Don't do it. Right. You know. Yeah. May get some great pictures, but that's all you're going to have at the end. <laughs> that and a big legal bill. You know. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But, no. I. Oh, go ahead. But um. But maybe maybe what we did is we help people understand that you're not alone. Right. And I think the more people that understand that people are willing up and to side with you, I think more and more voices will come out. We'll see more whistleblowers. We'll see more people saying, like, you know what? Yeah, I don't like that either because maybe it's the cool thing to say now. Right. Yeah. And it, and it is very tough because social media and things like that, people are always trying to virtue signal and stay in their in-group. And But I think <laughs> I think a lot of people really do understand that like this trajectory is not sustainable. So like, no. are we... Are we going to find a way to come together as a people and and find a, a peaceful resolution to to our differences, or are we going to hopefully peacefully divide? Either either way, like can we come back together or can we peacefully separate? But you have to have uh, peace is like the operative term here. I want peace either <laughs> either direction we go. Um, but let me just say, man, I I really you know even though that that photo has probably caused tremendous hell for your your life personally. Um, it was for me a joyous experience to see that picture. <laughs> it just the, the the unbelievable, you know, I don't even know how to describe it. Just <laughs> jubilance with that smile and the beanie on, and uh, it, it was it was one of the one of the funniest and most uplifting things. So I, I'm sure that's probably why they came after you as hard as they did, is because people like me were like, "Oh, that's fucking awesome." Um, but well, I, I, I could give you a, a very good story about this and I won't. Please. Okay. So my attorneys told me very, very soon in the deal, listen, it's not about what you did. It's about the photo Yep. because you are propaganda for both sides. Yep. The left is going to hate that photo because it <laughs> redefines everything that day was. And the right is never going to stop memeing it, which is true. <laughs> it's been the best part of my entire existence through all of this is seeing the memes. My kids love them. Indeed. Um, 
I'm putting a catalog together. It's going to be good. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, um, but where is I going with this? Yeah. So I have oh, just, a picture. Yeah. Sorry. Just the, the different, your attorneys were telling you how they were going to be used on both sides. And I'm not sure. Yes. Else. Um, so they told me you're not going to prison because of what you did. It's because of the photo. Right. There is, there is a story about someone else who was arrested. You will never hear about this. Mm -hmm. I just found out about this. Someone actually stole the microphones off of that lectern. Oh, Jesus. They were charged with, with same charges I got, right? They actually stole it. Like they left the building with it. Right. I moved it 20 yards, sat it down, took a photo, went on my merry way. Right. This guy actually stole it. This guy gets 10 days in jail, and I think it's like a $2,000 fine. That's it. Because oh, he That's wasn't it. photographed, right? Because he wasn't photographed. It's not yeah. about justice. It's about them being embarrassed. That's such a good point, man. And it's mm -hmm. it's awkward for people to find out, but this is that's actually the microphone I'm speaking into right now. Oh well, good, uh, good. I'm glad someone has it that deserves it. Good. Yeah. I'll be I auctioning. Am? I'll be auctioning off on eBay later to to pay for my soon uh, legal bills that are coming for that joke. <laughs> and it was a joke, FBI. If you're watching, um, I am anyways. curious if yeah. it was an insurrection and we did overthrow the government in that moment. And I did have the lectern. Does that technically make me the speaker of the house for a time? <laughs> yeah. I as far as I'm concerned, yeah. yeah. I think Wikipedia needs to update their page. I would like <laughs> to be inserted for a very short time. As, as they say, possession is like nine tenths of the law. So you were nine tenths <laughs> the speaker of the house for a couple for a couple seconds. <laughs> I had oh the best God. speech ever behind it. I did. Did I you did. give a speech? I did give a speech. Oh, I did. Wow. I did. Well, it was. Can, uh, it was. Can you was, give me Cliff's notes? Uh, three lines. It was very succinct. Okay. It was uh, uh, no more treason, no more traitors, and we're going to vote on one budget item at a time. Seems like a reasonable request, Adam. I don't <laughs> like, know. Super reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? I know. Right, well, hey, I really appreciate your time, and I and I, uh, you know, all all joking aside, I, I'm sure that the the legal uh, troubles have been brutal. And and just to yeah. be, be put through that ringer has not been fun for you or your family. Um, you know, I appreciate people that are patriotic and are willing to even just get out in the streets and protest. Not not necessarily go into buildings, but you know, sure. I appreciate Don't go to buildings. People, yeah, I appreciate that people are 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 <laughs> politically engaged and care about the future and their country. And um, you know, I'm just heartbroken that that you and so many others uh, have been treated so poorly by our government. And I I hope that there is uh, some some sanity that can be reclaimed here soon. Um, hey, but, marching towards it every day. Yeah, absolutely, brother. If there's any uh, anything people can know to support or follow you, go ahead and tell them right now. Um, I'm on Twitter. You can find me at Lectern Leader. Um, I'm also on Instagram as The Lectern Guy, and I'm on Facebook as Adam Johnson, but those last two platforms are dead. So okay. you can find me on Twitter. All right, at Lectern Leader. He is the leader of the lecterns. Thank you so much, Adam. <laughs> it's been a great interview. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?